It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation, and welcome to Locked on Saints, brought to you by the Locked on Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com. Welcome, as always, to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who've been supporting me from the jump, Huda family, and welcome into another Victory Monday here at Locked on Saints. The Saints escaped with a 34-31 win against the division rival Panthers, and it wasn't pretty, but... It's a W, so we'll recap the game with some sound bites from Coach Payton and the GOAT himself, Drew Brees, who led yet another fantastic two-minute drive to win the game. Then we'll talk about the offense and the defense, what we liked, what we didn't, and then we'll wrap up with more history being made by Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas. We got all of that and a little bit of Lanyard for you on this Victory Monday episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The Saints get away with a 34-31 win against the Carolina Panthers to take a commanding four-game lead in the NFC South Division. They move up to number two in the NFC with a 9-2 and record. Here's what Coach Payton said that summed up this game concisely and effectively. Yeah, look, it, it wasn't our best game, and by far it wasn't their best game, and Quite honestly, it wasn't New York's best game, and, and so it is what it is, you know. Not the Saints' best game, indeed, and of course, not the best game for New York, as referencing the officiating throughout this game. The Saints were facing the Panthers and the NFL's officiating staff that had called the most offensive pass interference penalty so far this season, and it showed as the Saints were flagged twice for offensive pass interference, both very questionable calls, once against Jared Cook negating a 41-yard catch, and another against Michael Thomas erasing a two-point conversion. The Saints had 12 penalties for 123 yards called against them in this game. Meanwhile, the Panthers 
Panthers, three for 25. Lots of ups and downs in this one, but still some things to be excited about. First of all, the resilience that this Saints team showed late, of course, but also the hot start. After not scoring a touchdown on their opening drive for 17 games, the Saints punched in a 24-yard run by Latavius Murray. They then got the ball back after a botched punt to take an early 14-0 lead. But then the heart rate increased as the Saints continued to prove that, well, the only team that can beat them is themselves. P.J. Williams gets burned down the sideline by D.J. Moore, who catches a 51-yard bomb from Kyle Allen for a touchdown. Then Joey Sly, the swollest kicker in the NFL, misses the extra point, which would become a bit of a theme. After a foolish, unnecessary roughness penalty by Cam Jordan, who was trying to punch the ball out of Kyle Allen's hand after a Demario Davis sack, but instead ended up catching Allen with the elbow to the helmet. That, that's going to get called every time. What would have then been a fourth and 26 punt turned into a fresh set of downs, and 12 plays later, Carolina finds their way to the end zone at the end of the half. Going into the breakdown, only two 15-17. to 17. The Saints then had a very poor second quarter altogether on both sides of the ball, running only six offensive plays in the quarter as opposed to the Panthers who ran 26, including that 17-play drive that would have been only five were it not for Cam Jordan's penalty, which he himself called boneheaded. Coming back for the second half, the Saints end up pulling away 31-18, to 18, and just as it looks like the Saints might be ready to put this one to bed, a big 52-yard catch and run by DJ Moore puts the Panthers in scoring distance, leading to a four-yard touchdown by Christian McCaffrey, and Joey Sly again misses the extra point. After a couple of exchanges, including a drop deep ball by Ted Ginn Jr., Drew Brees throws an interception deep to Trey Boston. He was looking for Traquan Smith over the middle. The Saints give up 29 yards and scoring position on a pass interference call, and DJ Moore catches his second touchdown of the game. Coming into this one with only one on the year, the game is then tied at 31. The Saints get the ball back, and Sean Payton self-admittedly calls a terrible fourth down call, which gives the ball back to Carolina in New Orleans territory. 10 plays later, including a defensive pass interference penalty that was challenged and subsequently granted in favor of Carolina. Yes, that actually happened in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, and it was absolutely ridiculous. Marcus Davenport comes through with a big third down sack, forcing a field goal try, and Joey Sly, who has already missed two extra points, misses the 28-yard chip shot and gives the ball back to Drew Brees with a minute 56 left on the clock. Ron Rivera has already signed a new kicker in Carolina. Breeze then goes on in that final drive to complete six of seven passes, five straight, including a big 26-yard gain on third and six to Michael Thomas. AK then helps get the Saints into field goal range with a catch and run of his own, and Will Lutz knocks it through to secure the 34-31 lead, his fifth game-winning field goal in the final seconds and signing with the Saints back in 2016. Here's what Drew Breeze had to say about the team's resilient win and what's left ahead. It's not always going to be perfect. Um... And, and, and in fact, I'd say to, to gut out a win like this as a team um, is pretty significant. Um, I think it just continues to strengthen the team and um, you know give you a ton of confidence. And you know, we're still we're still searching for that best game. You know, this game reminds me a lot of the Ravens game from last year. Just this one had a lot more offense going on. But that Ravens game where uh, Will Lutz kicked a 39-yard field goal with just about two minutes left in the game. They give the ball back to Baltimore. They drive down, touchdown to John Brown. And then Justin Tucker, with less than 30 seconds left, misses his first career extra point. And really, you look at that and you say, you know what? It was a lucky win. And for the Saints, it was a lucky win this time around, too. I mean, this was a game of 
enough inches all the way around, and it was a game of a point here and there. Two extra points left on the board by the, uh, by the Panthers, as well as the missed field goal that's five points down. The Saints end up taking this one away by three, so definitely one of those games that you look at and you go, okay, great. Had some luck there. We'll take it this time around. But the Saints definitely feel like there's better play left ahead of them. And they're going to need it because they got a short week here as they head to Atlanta to take on the Falcons, who embarrassed them at home earlier in the season. They'll be the Thanksgiving night game. And then they set their eyes on their collision course for week 14 when the matchup between today's number one and number two in the NFC face off on Poitras. And while that game on Thursday is a big one, we are going to keep ourselves here focused on this Carolina win. First, we'll talk next about the offense and the defense, what we like what we didn't like and we'll talk a little bit of history with Michael Thomas coming after record after record but first guys let's talk about sex good sex remember the days when you were always ready to go well now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed listen up it's bluechew.com that's blue like the color blue bluechew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work you can take them anytime day or night even on a full stomach and since they're chewable they work up to twice as fast as the pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Bluetooth is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we got a special offer just for our listeners. Visit Bluetooth.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code Locked On. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-2.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, family, time for a deeper look into the offense and defense in this game for the Saints. We're going to look at what we liked and didn't like on both sides of the ball. So let's start off with some positive here. Let's talk about what we liked on offense, and I gotta I gotta start off directly with Drew Brees. Drew Brees goes 30 for 39 for 311 yards and three touchdowns. Despite the interception, it was great to see him making throws deep and challenging this Panthers defense deep down the field. There were some questions that came up about his arm after some short throws in the Tampa Bay game in particular, but this goes to show no need to question Drew Brees. He's doing just fine. He had another masterful two-minute game-winning drive to cap off the game, and honestly, seriously, there's no person that I'd rather have the ball in their hands at the end of a game with a chance to win it than the GOAT himself, Drew Brees. And he had, you know, some of his weapons coming alive in this game, of course, that definitely helped him out. Jared Cook came alive, of course. Four touchdowns in his last five games, two now with each quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Brees, in that span. Jared Cook looks like he's finally filling up the role that everyone expected him to in 2019, giving Drew Brees another target, another option, outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in the passing game, though it apparently does not matter for Michael Thomas how many weapons you've got. He's going to get the ball, but seeing Jared Cook step up, six catches, 99 yards, and a touchdown against Carolina was great. Uh, I really like the Alvin Kamara-Latavius-Murray split 
split. Alvin Kamara with 67% of the snaps on offense, Latavius Murray with 39%. They were on the field at the same time a few times as well, especially with Zach Lyme being out. AK was just over 100 with all-purpose yards. Latavius had 64 rushing yards on only seven carries. So he actually matched Christian McCaffrey's total on the ground with 15 fewer carries in this game, averaging 9.1 yards per attempt. And of course, I alluded to him earlier, but Michael Thomas goes over 100 catches on the year, 100 yards in this game, and now leads Pro Bowl voting for his position. More on him in a bit. Let's get a little negative now. What we didn't like on the offensive side of the ball. Penalties, of course, were a big thing, especially along the offensive line. We saw a couple of offensive holding penalties, some uh, some false starts, things like that. Want to get those wiped away. Again, 12 penalties for the Saints on this game for 123 yards. That's just absurd. Uh, and some of them were not their fault at all. Uh, let's talk to about the fourth down run play call in late in the fourth quarter. Not the best choice by Sean Payton. And he mentioned that himself. He came out with one that was a little bit more of a goal line look. And then he actually didn't get matched up with a goal line look. So he didn't feel comfortable with it. So he called a timeout, called a new play, went out there and then called just a bad run for the situation. Ended up handing the ball off about four yards behind the line of scrimmage not really a dive and then you've also got a lot of options out there you've got Taysom Hill who can run a quarterback sneak you've got a lot of options you also have Drew Brees and 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 his leap you know you, you you've got choices there but the choice that Sean Payton made and even he himself admitted not the best play call and in, in tune with that I'll also add separately on the list of things we didn't like on offense is that we didn't get to see Malcolm Brown take that offensive snap before the timeout I wanted to see what they had in store for Malcolm Brown that's what I want to see and so I'm excited to see if they end up getting him a little bit more involved over on the offensive side in those goal line type situations. I know uh, Larry Holder jokingly tweeted out a over under for touchdowns for Malcolm Brown at two and a half. I'll take the under on that, but I won't say he won't get one by the end of the year. And then I've got to talk to you about offensive line health. Teron Armstead gets hurt. He hurts his ankle. It's a high ankle sprain. He's now week to week. We saw that with Marshawn Lattimore, not an ankle injury, but instead a hamstring injury, but Marshawn Lattimore missed a couple of games. And so you can expect to see Teron Armstead with a high ankle injury out for at least a couple as well. So he's not going to be playing against the Falcons on Thursday. Will Clapp was also injured. He didn't practice, or at least the estimated practice participation report for today shows that he would not have practiced more than likely. We'll talk a little bit more about that participation report in the next segment, by the way. And then, of course, the Saints are already without Andrews Pete. So that offensive line looking a little skinny at the moment. Patrick Amame came in and tried to cover up for Toronto Arms that did allow a sack, but wasn't terrible. Uh, and then, of course, you, you know Nicky has been playing well in place of Andrews Pete. So we'll see. It's going to be a little bit more of that next man up mentality and the Saints have been doing it all season. So now they'll need to keep it up. All right. Now over to the defensive side of the ball. We'll start positive. What we liked for the defense, Demario Davis. That's easy. Led the team in tackles, had the sack that was, would have forced the second and 26. But of course, the attempted punch out by Cam Jordan that led to the unnecessary roughness penalty kind of soured it. The, the sack still counted because technically Cam Jordan's penalty comes after the whistle and after the play. So the sack still counted. But it kind of erased the effect of the play itself at the end of the first half there. But I will say, even with that penalty, Cam Jordan still had a nice day. Six pressures, no sacks, but still a good game for him affecting the passer. Uh, He had a batted pass, things like that. So you saw him get involved as well, and you saw him have a really nice day. But Marcus Davenport is the edge rusher that I want to credit here. Uh, Back on the field for 67% of the defensive snaps, we saw his snap count kind of decrease against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
factor in a lot of three-man fronts. They don't use Marcus Davenport as much as you use Trey Hendrickson in those fronts. Didn't see that. You got Christian McCaffrey there. You're not running three-man fronts. You got four down linemen at all times. So Marcus Davenport, 67% of the defensive snaps. Great to see him out there. And then he made good on it. He added a crucial sack and also was a big part of Joey Sly's missed field goal attempt when he leapt over the center, didn't make any contact, and put pressure right up the middle of that kick. That's the one that ended up sailing off and then ended up giving the Saints the ball back with a minute 56 seconds left. So good on Marcus Davenport for a nice game played and taking advantage of getting those snaps back. Expectations for Marshawn Lattimore is that he will be back on Thursday because man, did PJ put up a stinker of a game. That'll transition us into what we didn't like on defense. So you've got the critical penalties. Of course, we've talked about that a bunch. Officiating, I'll specifically mention in this case, the overturned defensive pass interference penalty was just bad. Yes, CJ Gardner-Johnson made contact, but he had him within the five-yard sort of grace zone so that's always acceptable but maybe you could argue that the ball was already out but then I'd argue that the ball wasn't in range of the receiver but it's fine the Saints found a way to win and I don't want to talk about officiating anymore but I'll point that one out and of course the two offensive pass interference penalties that were crap that were called on the Saints offense but that aside let's look at some actual things that the Saints can control PJ Williams man PJ Williams burnt for over 100 yards in this game giving up two huge plays to DJ Moore who ended up doubling his season touchdown output in this game alone he came in with one he got two so he doubled the season output, therefore tripling his season total. So not great for PJ Williams there. So that's a little bit of what I did like, what I didn't like offense and defense. We'll dig a little bit deeper into this tomorrow when we come back and we're talking about the PFF grades and analysis. We'll definitely be able to dig a little bit deeper there. But coming up next, we're going to talk about Michael Thomas making history. This dude has been incredible this season and he keeps doing it and I don't think there's any end in sight. So we're going to talk about him and also give you a couple of quick updates on the estimated practice participation report that came out today, which we'll talk more in depth about tomorrow. So we got that coming up for you. But before we get there, let me tell you about Away, one of our sponsors. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off of a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. And if you're listening on the go, can't visit away right now, you can find this and all of our other offers from our locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Huda Nation. Let's wrap up today's episode with a little shout out to Michael Thomas this year's MVP. I mean, if he's not going to be your MVP, he's at least your Offensive Player of the Year. I understand MVP is a quarterback award. No wide receiver has ever won MVP. I get it. I get it. But certainly, Michael Thomas is in line to be the next wide receiver to win, second wide receiver ever, actually, to win Offensive Player of the Year. The only one to ever do it was Jerry Rice. And we've been hearing Michael Thomas's name alongside Jerry Rice's a lot here recently. So let's talk about some of the things that Michael Thomas has pulled off already this season. Remember, he's only 10 games through. He's got six games left to go in the regular season here. Just this past game against Carolina, he became the first player in NFL history to have eight straight 
games with eight or more catches and 85 or more yards. So that's a hell of a streak to be on at the moment. He also joined Brandon Marshall as the only other player with three 100 reception seasons within their first four NFL seasons. And he's also got three straight 100 catch seasons. Now, here's the thing about that. It's three straight, right? Three consecutive. So that's third best. That ties him with Jerry Rice. Like I mentioned, he's seen his name next to Jerry Rice a lot. But remember that Michael Thomas was also the first saint to ever catch more than 100 passes in a single season. He's now done it three years in a row, three years in a row. He's got 104 catches through 10 games at the moment. So that puts him on pace to go, I think it's 154, if I remember correctly, which puts him well beyond the 143 set by Marvin Harrison. He's four catches ahead of Marvin Harrison's pace at this moment in the season and in terms of 10 games through the season when Marvin Harrison did set that record. And lest we forget that he's done all of this, including five games without his future hall, Hall of Fame quarterback. He did five games with Teddy Bridgewater and still kept up this pace and is still well ahead of really any of the other Hall of Famers that have come through the NFL. When you look at other Hall of Famers and the amount of catches that they have over their first five seasons, Michael Thomas is well ahead as he now has 425 catches over his first three seasons and 10 games. The first five seasons for some other future Hall of Famers that he's ahead of include names like Jerry Rice, Calvin Johnson, and Randy Moss. He is well ahead of all of these guys and is somehow still not becoming a part of the national conversation for league MVP. Now, shout out to the Get Up. The Get Up did do a nice little piece on Michael Thomas to make sure everybody know that he should be considered in that MVP conversation. He'd, of course, be the first ever wide receiver to win MVP. And as I mentioned before, he'd also be only the second wide receiver, second to Randy Moss, to win Offensive Player of the Year. But I just don't think that that's good enough. Look at what he's done this year amongst other wide receivers across the NFL. He leads the league in receptions by 23. The next person behind him is 23 catches behind him, Chris Godwin. In the meanwhile, he only has the first place in targets by 12 targets. So there's not a huge separation in terms of volume there. He's leading in receiving yards by almost 200 yards, and he leads in first down receptions by 11. This guy has been the go-to artery for the Saints. They can live and die probably by Michael Thomas on the field. And so far, he's done nothing but help them live and help propel them to this 9-2 and start. He is your most valuable player on this Saints team and should be garnering more conversation as the league MVP. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll die on this hill. I'll pound this table until no one is willing to listen to me anymore. This guy is doing something very special this season, and he absolutely deserves the national recognition for it. All right, stepping off my soapbox, here's a little bit of news for you. So the Saints released today. Remember, they have a game on Thursday, so a lot of this information is going to come out a little bit earlier than we're accustomed to seeing it. So the Saints released an estimated practice participation report for what would have happened had they practiced today. So Andrus Pete, Zach Line, Teron Armstead, and Will Clapp all did not practice. Yes, that's three offensive linemen's names that you heard there. Andrew Speed, of course, not a surprise. Zach Line missed this past week. Uh, makes sense that he's not going to be ready in three days. He's dealing with a knee injury. Teron Armstead and Will Clapp newly added. We saw Teron Armstead have his ankle injury during that Carolina game. Will Clapp pops up with a back injury. So this isn't great for the Saints, who are already lacking at depth a little bit and are now losing a starting left tackle for at least a couple of games with a high ankle sprain. Somebody that was playing at an all-pro level so far this season in Teron Armstead and a valuable backup and a valuable 
valuable sixth man in Will Clapp. So we'll see what the Saints end up doing there. You can expect to see more Patrick Omame. Of course, we already know that Nick Easton has been stepping in at that left guard position, and very possibly we'll see Ethan Greenidge be active going into Thursday's game if Will Clapp is unable to go. And then some good news here, Marshawn Lattimore and Deontay Harris, both dealing with their hamstring injuries, are estimated as limited if they were to have practice. So this is good news because they could actually come back and be better starting tomorrow. So we'll see. We'll continue to update you on the injury reports as always. You know how we do here. We'll have tomorrow's episode to talk about it a little bit. We'll have Wednesday's crossover episode, and then we're right into it on Thanksgiving Day to get you into the game immediately there. So they'll have that primetime game that night. So we'll talk a little bit more about all of these injuries as we go through. This is an estimated practice participation report for right now. Talk a little bit more in depth about it tomorrow because there's some interesting names over on the Falcon side as well. So you'll get that as well as your pro football focus grades and analysis. And then Wednesday's crossover episode with Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. I'm sure he and I will have a lot to talk about considering neither of us expected last time's matchup to go down the way that it went down for the Falcons and Saints in New Orleans. So I got that coming up for you throughout the week, y'all. Make sure you stick around. And as always, thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints. And trust to that nation. I'll holla at you. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.